Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. What happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the first four verses, which were just given to you there on the screen. Beautiful day of God's presence today, isn't it? That's... Um, you know, the Lord is with you every day, but there's something special when we gather together. And that's why he calls us to do it, to come together and to be with one another. And I'm going to invite you to pull your notes out for today's message. And we're going to continue in the theme that we started uh, earlier this month. We're using it for the month of May called Filled. And today I want to talk with you about the filling itself. And I'm not talking about your teeth I'm talking about the filling of God in your life and what that can mean to you. Three weeks ago, Pastor Marco shared a very powerful message. I referred to it several times. I thought it was a very impactful message. really touched my heart. About um, Well, he looked into the life of, of the Old Testament prophet Jonah and how Jonah tried to serve God in his own terms, in his own way. A lot of people do that. They say, well, I, I serve God my own way. But that never works. It didn't work for Jonah. He ended up in the belly of a great fish and complained about everything the whole, through the whole book. He's just one big complaint. And, um, but eventually he ended up doing what he was supposed to do, but he complained about it the whole time. A lot of people are like that in service of God. They want to serve him their own way, but as Pastor Marco said this, that never works. It will leave you far less effective for God than you felt like you would be. So Pastor Marco identified that message. He called it the problem. And the problem simply is when we try to do God's will on our own terms, our own way, the way we think it should be done instead of the way God tells us to do it. Uh, the following week, I shared a message that I called the solution, which it was simply the solution to the problem. The problem was trying to do God's will your own way. What's the solution to that? Be filled with the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to do what God calls us to do. And if we will do that, if we will follow His will and follow His plan and rely on His power, it'll be amazing how God will use you. It'll absolutely blow your mind what God will do through you. Then last week, Carrie shared a very wonderful message that she entitled, The Effect, which she was talking about, okay, what's the effect then of this, of this filling? What, what will that do through your life? And brought it, of course, to the mothers, but actually it applied to all of us. Today I want to share with you what we mean when we talk about being baptized or filled filled with the Spirit, or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Scriptures teach us that there are three different um, baptisms. And let me just give those to you quickly. Number one is 
what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we, are, we all share the same Spirit. So Paul says here that we have been baptized into this one body, it's, it's a mystical body, it's not a denomination, it, it, it encompasses people all over the world of every race, of every color, of every ethnic background, of, of all educations, of, of a multitude of different denominations and beliefs, but they have all come to this understanding of their need of Jesus Christ as Savior of their life. They have received Him and made Him Savior and Lord over their lives. And this is what this scripture is talking about, being baptized into this body by the Holy Spirit, and this is what we simply call salvation. It's giving your life to Jesus Christ. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And the scripture says he takes up residence within you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit took up residence in the temple or in the tabernacle. The tabernacle before the temple. In a place called the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place and the rest of the temple or tabernacle was split in two, which symbolized by God that no longer was he going to be a stranger to his people. He was going to be with us every day of our lives so that we don't come into this building to... Um, to meet with Jesus in the sense that he's not with us other places. We are ourselves the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are the Holy of Holies. Your heart is the Holy of Holies that has been brought to us by the power of the Spirit of God. That's why we don't need earthly temples anymore. They're a huge waste of money. Huge waste of money. Because God is now dwelling with his people. And everything he wants to do, I'm getting anointed right now. Everything he wants to do, he wants to do in you and through you every day of your life. It doesn't happen here only. It happens out there, and that's where it's supposed to happen. Hallelujah. That's why we're talking about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Whew, none of that was in my notes, so that's on your time. The second baptism that the scriptures refer to is what we call water baptism. Most of you know about water baptism. We have this tank right back here behind those arrows, and it's our water baptismal tank. And it's where we put uh, people under the water, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, gives us uh, reference. This is from Jesus saying this to his disciples, that we are to do this. We are to baptize People. So water baptism symbolizes the process of salvation from death to burial to new life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now some of us don't understand that. So what do you mean I wasn't dead before? I was alive. Not spiritually you weren't. To God you were disconnected and you were dead in your sins 
This, this is your, he's talking here about your BC life. Your before Jesus life. Before Christ's life. Before he became your personal savior. And at that time, the scriptures tell us here that, that you and I were spiritually dead. But then Paul goes on and says in verses 4 through 6, that same chapter, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So the picture here of water baptism is that believers die to their self. Then the act of going under the water symbolizes burial, which is death to yourself. And coming back out of the water symbolizes your resurrection to new life, your new life in Christ. We don't leave you under the water. We raise you back up. To new life in Christ. Um, one time when I was a young pastor, I, was, I, I did a baptismal service. And uh, as, I, as I put this young man down in the water, I noticed that I hadn't quite put him all the way down. There was still this crown of his head that was, that was dry. As I was starting to bring him back up, I noticed that. So I shoved him back down again. <laughs> he thought I was trying to kill him. He starts flailing, you know, his arms and legs and everything, you know. And I, I did bring him back up. Okay. He was, he was one of those kids that kind of would have been nice to have left under. But uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Hopefully he's done better with his life since then. <laughs> I only give you what God gives me. I only say what the Lord tells me to say to you. All right. The third baptism is what we were going to call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is a spiritual baptism. Okay, water baptism is a water baptism. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual baptism into the body of Christ. But the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a spiritual baptism that comes upon people who seek for it. And it's this baptism that I want to talk with you about today. The first occurrence of this in Scripture is given in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, and Pentecost was a Jewish festival or holiday that, that took place 50 days after Passover. So basically, Jesus was crucified, you know, just, just before Passover began to be celebrated. So about 50 days after his crucifixion was when Pentecost was traditionally celebrated, and it was a Thanksgiving uh, celebration for the goodness and blessings of God upon the people. Okay, so when the day of Pentecost was upon the people, they, they're speaking here of the disciples, were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what be, seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. But this particular experience was prophesied years earlier, uh, and there's probably no better source to go to than the man who was identified with baptism, who would be John the Baptist, you know. 
So did he have anything to say about this baptism? Because he baptized with water. Did he have anything to say about this? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he, said, he told those, the crowd around him, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am, worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so repentance is the first essential, but there is an additional baptism that God has for your life. And we're going to talk about that. So he's talking about Jesus here as the one who will not only bring salvation, but is going to make available what was promised by Old Testament prophets, a baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's interesting that other Gospels also confirm the same promise that's given here. Mark chapter 1 verse 8 uh, John says here, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So you see confirmation that, th- that what was written about before in Matthew is, is being fulfilled or promised by other gospel writers. Luke 3.16, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John chapter 1 verse 33. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that happened upon Jesus as the Spirit came in the form of a dove and landed upon him. So the scriptures make it clear that Not only does God want to save you and baptize you into the body of Christ, and not only does he want you to be water baptized as a public confession of your faith, but he wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Five blessings that will this Holy Spirit baptism will bring to your life. Number one. I have learned that this baptism will sensitize you to the supernatural. It sensitizes you to the supernatural movings of God. You have five physical senses. Those senses work to sensitize you to the world that you live in. So I can see you because I have a sense called eyes or vision. I can hear you when you amen me because I have a sense called hearing. Okay. Um, But you get the point. The baptism in the Holy Spirit sensitizes you to the supernatural movings of God. We aren't naturally given that in our physical bodies. That has to be bestowed upon us. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I could sense how God wants to move through me. I wish I could sense what God wants me to do. I wish I could sense when the door is open for me to share uh, Jesus Christ with someone in witness. I wish the Holy Spirit would help me, or I wish I knew how to pray over particular individuals in their, the, the crisis that they're facing in their life. The baptism in the Holy Spirit sensitizes you to this. 
doesn't make you perfect, but it sensitizes you to where you begin to see and to hear and to sense, if you will, the, the moving of God. I think of Peter, Apostle Peter. He certainly wasn't a guy who got it right all the time. He made a lot of mistakes and errors, and because he was a very vocal guy, everybody knew about his, his errors, you know. Quiet people, they make errors too. You just don't hear about them. They don't say that much. People with a big mouth like me, you know what's going on in their heart all the time. You know, they're just always talking, talking, talking. Oh, all right, you know. Well, Peter was kind of like that. And he made a lot of mistakes with, in his life, not getting it right as he was beginning to learn in this journey uh, of following Jesus Christ. But when he received the, the, this baptism in the Holy Spirit over there in Acts 2, what we read about just a little bit, little bit ago, things began to dramatically change for him. Doesn't mean he was perfect, just means things began to dramatically change for him at that point. In fact, Acts 3 tells us about a time that he and the Apostle John were going to the temple to pray, and on their way in they passed by a beggar who was, was, was sitting outside the temple gate begging for people to help him. That was his livelihood. We see a lot of that in today's world. And, and we didn't used to see so much of that, but we see a lot of that today. And that was typical back then. He sat down and had a sign, anything will help, you know, or whatever he had. I don't know. Acts chapter 3 tells us what happened when he, talking about the beggar, saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for some money, and Peter and John looked at him intently, and, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Can you imagine how, uh, how crushed he would have felt? It's like, you know, I have a picture, you know, of me, or I have, a, I have a, a CD to give you, you know. No, he says, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And then Peter took the man, layman, by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up. Wow. Now, other scripture tells us that he had been uh, this condition for 40 years. So you can imagine the atrophy and everything. This, this would be absolutely nothing short of a phenomenal miracle. He jumps up to his feet and he begins to praise God, walking, leaping, praising God, and he went into the temple with them and was a fanatic that day for the glory of God. I mean, this, this would have been a sight to behold. This kind of thing happened over and over and over again when you read in the book of Acts through the, the lives of the disciples, the apostles, and through the lives of ordinary Christians that were being saved and being brought into this newly forming church. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift whereby our hearts become tuned in to what God wants to do through us. We begin to sense the Spirit's voice. You've become more aware of the Spirit's prompting, the way, aware of the Spirit's movings upon you to use you as you've never been used before. And so God will start using you in a powerful way, in a more powerful way. He uses you anyway, but he'll use you in a more powerful way because of this anointing. Number two, the baptism in the Holy Spirit will empower you. That's what Jesus promised just before he went back to heaven. He told his disciples in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And the result of that power is an overcoming life. The word power here in this verse comes from a Greek word. A lot of you know this. Dunamis. Can you pick up the English word that comes from dunamis? Dynamite. Dynamite, man. You're going to have the dynamite of the spirit within your life. The apostle Paul said in Romans 8 two, because you belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now that verse is saying that the power of the Spirit will free you from whatever bondage or sin that has trapped you. We don't come to Jesus clean, we come to Jesus dirty. I hear it all the time. Once I get my act together, I'll start going to church. Guess when you'll show up to church? Never, because you'll never get your act together, right? You've got to have God's power. We don't come to Jesus clean. We come to Jesus dirty. We come to Jesus entrapped by sin. We come to Jesus under bondages with strongholds over our lives. And we accept him as Savior. He opens our eyes. We receive him as our Savior. But man, we've got to have power not to go back to that stuff. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It gives you power to overcome the temptation that your flesh was given into all the time. And so if you need to overcome an addiction in your life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you power to do that. If you need to to overcome an anger issue. The baptism in the Holy Spirit will bring you under control. If you need to to be a more powerful witness for Jesus, the baptism in the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to be more effective for Christ. That's why Paul could go on and say that in in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How can you be a super conqueror? That's another way of saying it. It's because the Holy Spirit is within you and flowing through you, and you go into every day just expecting that this day is going to be a new day. It's going to be a powerful day. It's going to be a day God's going to use me as never before. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, baptism in the Holy Spirit will give you a soul satisfaction. You're going to feel satisfied. Hallelujah. Deep down inside. I learned years ago that we need more than just a, a, a mental acceptance of Christ as our Savior. I think people who just mentally accept Christ as their Savior and don't go in any deeper than that, they, they, don't, they don't hang tough with God. They struggle in their relationship. We need a soul satisfaction way down deep inside. I have known believers who have always struggled with assurance of their salvation. I just don't know. I just don't feel it because they're so feelings oriented. And I know that salvation is not a feeling. And that's why, we, that's why this, this is called a life of faith. We, we, we have to have faith in God's word that says if we confess our sins, he will forgive us of our sins. We've got we to gotta believe for that. But for there to be a full confidence in your salvation, you've got to sense it deep inside of you where you know that you know that you know that God has forgiven you and he rules and reigns in your heart. You've got to know that deep inside. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. The greatest, I believe, of all torments is the torment of doubt. Doubt is like being whipped with a lash. It stings the soul. It cuts the heart. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit gets the doubt out. Hallelujah. And gives an assurance because it opens the door 
to intimacy with Jesus. So Romans 8.36 goes on and says, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. When I doubt in myself, I can have assurance from the Spirit that my life is right with God and I am pleasing to my Father. Hallelujah. Number four, it'll give you new spiritual authority. It's primarily in two areas. Number one, in prayer. Again, back to Romans 8, verse 26, 27. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You ever been there? See, I don't know how to pray over this situation. I mean, some things are obvious. An individual has a disease, and we know how to pray. But oftentimes, there's things deeper than just the disease. But sometimes we know that there's a financial issue and we need to pray. We know how to pray for that. Somebody has a lost son or daughter. We know how to pray for that. But there are things in life you don't know exactly what the answer is. You don't know how to pray as you ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, and he who searches the heart's Searches hearts knows that what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So verse 26 here says that there are times that you don't know exactly how to pray over a situation. The answer is not clear. God, I need, I need, for, you to, I, I need for you to work in this situation. I just don't know what the answer is. But then verse 27 tells us that when we pray, in the spiritual language that we receive when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We pray the will of God over that situation. You say, yeah, but I, uh, how do you know what you're praying? It doesn't matter that you know what you're praying. What matters is that you know you're praying the will of God over a situation because the Spirit's praying through you, and you can have confidence that when you pray the will of God, then the plan of God gets accomplished. Glory to God. Glory to God. So in prayer, you have new authority. Secondly, you have new authority in witnessing. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, he says. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will prompt you to speak for Jesus with the right words. Well, I witnessed to my doctor last week. Pastor Jim, oh yeah? I gave it to him. You just may have done more damage than you know. There's a right word to give, and there's a right time to give that word. And we need the Spirit prompting us to know that. So if you share the right word at the wrong time, it may not be received. If you share the wrong word at the right time, it still may not work out. But when you share the right word at the right time, it's amazing how hearts open up to receive what God is giving you. And God knows the person that you're sharing with. He knows what to say to them. He knows how to get to their heart. You and I don't always know, but God knows, and he can drop that into your spirit. He'll prompt you to share Christ with them. He'll prompt you to pray for them. And it'll be amazing how God uses you. Uh, just This isn't exactly a witnessing situation, but it's a long-term witnessing situation. Carrie and I frequent a particular restaurant, and some of the waitresses there have gotten to know us, and, and they know that, that, that we're the pastors of this church, at least one of them does. 
And we talk with her frequently about that and so forth. She's very loving, very kind to us. And I don't know, somehow or other she was mentioning that to, uh, when we were in there, she was mentioning that to some other waitresses. And this waitress comes, she's probably in her mid-twenties, she comes over to our, our booth and she says, excuse me, did I hear that you're a pastor of a church? And I, I said, yes, I am. And um, she said, you know, my fiance and I, we want to get married. But he's in prison and nobody will marry us. And so she had gone around to different, I don't know, different churches, different places, and nobody would, would marry them. She said, would you please marry us? And I said, yes, I will. Now, this guy's going to be in prison behind bars as I marry them. So it's going to be a very unique situation that I'm going to be involved in. And there will be perhaps some people who would say, oh, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. You can have your opinion what you want, but I'm doing it for one reason, to be an extension of Christ's hand into somebody's life that nobody else would have anything to do with. And I believe that God is going to use that. In fact, she has started talking to us when we've been in there, saying, you know, my fiancé and I start talking. When he gets out, we, we need to get into church. Now, where's your church? And I told her where the church is located, and we are believing that we're going to leave such a positive witness in this young man and young woman's heart that, that when the day comes, and even maybe before he's released, she can start coming. And who knows what God's going to use uh, to, to touch their life. But you see, that's, I felt prompted of the Spirit to respond positively and be Christ's hand extended to somebody that nobody else would have anything to do with. I, I'm not going to get paid for it. I'm not, I'm, I mean, there's nothing in this for me. It's simply to be Christ's hand extended to somebody's life. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. Number five, the, whole, uh, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a doorway to a whole new life in the Spirit. It's not a goal. It's a doorway. With it, you will receive a new spiritual prayer language that expresses your heart that reaches the heart of God and breaks through satanic opposition. You know that when you pray in tongues, Satan doesn't understand what you're saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's authority there, folks. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit will come an awareness of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given you. Every one of you have at least one spiritual gift. The Bible says this means you're using it, but every one of us has at least one, probably multiple and we need to discover those and begin to function in those. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us an increased awareness of that. And then with the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes a greater expression of the fruit of the Spirit through our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, uh, and self-control. I left one out. And self-control. But the, this gift, gifting of the Spirit hap- is intensified or this fruit of the Spirit is intensified through the power of the Spirit working in our lives. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a goal. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a doorway. It's you walking through a door into a whole new realm of the Spirit of God that you didn't even know existed before. And men, that's when things start getting fun. 
That's when start, God starts using you in ways you never thought would happen. Now, I know for some of you, this is new teaching. But I'm reminded of the time when the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts went to the city of Ephesus and he met with believers there and he asked them in, in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, when you put your faith in Jesus, were you given the Holy Spirit? No, they answered, we have never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's true of you other than just kind of brief brush buys. You've never really understood the Holy Spirit. Well, when Paul heard that they didn't know about the fullness of the Spirit, verse number six tells us that he laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. So I just simply want to ask you, do you want all that God has for you? Remember a couple weeks ago I said you don't have to be afraid of this? Some people think, well, if I, if I allow Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, I'll be weird. You're not going to be any weirder than you already are. <laughs> in fact, God may improve some of you, you know, so <laughs> it may be a help. <laughs> but um, I said this last week at the conclusion when I prayed over the mothers and the church last week Carrie had me come up at the end I said if you want all of all that God has for you you've got to give all of yourself to him you got to lay it on the altar and say Lord no preconceived stuff here I'm giving you my all I'm laying it all on you I just want you this is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.